You're listening to the Run For Your Lives podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Daphne. And I'm Pake. And this is the Run for Your Lives podcast. This episode is the American disaster film The Poseidon Adventure, directed by Ronald Neem and released December 12th, 1972. That's right. We're going back. <laughs> yes, this is an old one. We've kind of been holding on to this for a little while. It's been requested a bunch of times. Yes. We were waiting till the time was right and decided that now was that time. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm glad that now is the time because <laughs> it's a good way to like round out a season because then all we have left after this episode are just our our usual season closers that people know to expect. So this is the last like what movie they're going to pick. So it, it's a great way to round things out. I think. <laughs> I think so too. And you had never seen it, so this was your first introduction. Yeah. To this classic movie. I don't know if I should be afraid of the puns that are going to come in this conversation, but I'm going to forge ahead. We'll see what happens. You'll survive. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> it, you may want to just take a swan dive off the catwalk like Linda did. I don't know, but you know, maybe you'll survive. Maybe you'll survive. <laughs> oh, man. It's already um. started. <laughs> oh, I'm in so much trouble. Uh. Yeah. Well, I think we should just get started with some production notes. The way we always start things, you can pretty much count on it, Mm -hmm. was filmed on the RMS Queen Mary in Long Beach, California, and on stage six at 20th Century Fox Studios in Los Angeles. It's based on the 1969 novel of the same name by Paul Gallico. The script was written by Sterling Siliphant and Wendell Mays. It's the highest grossing film of 1973. It was produced by the master of disaster himself, Erwin Allen, who was also known for the towering Inferno, which we covered not too long ago. Mm-hmm. It won two Academy Awards, including Best Song for The Morning After, and it won for Best Visual Effects. The tagline for this movie is Hell Upside Down. It had a budget of $4.7 million and grossed $125 million. I think that could be considered a success. It's 117 minutes long, not three hours like some <laughs> of the classic films that I've pulled right. into Run For Your Lives. Pake, bring on the synopsis. All right, I found a synopsis that I found was thought was very fitting for my style of notes this week. Um, so the synopsis is, A group of people explore a cruise ship at sea in a manner that turns their lives upside down. Oh, Pake. <laughs> that, I don't know about that synopsis. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um... But we'll, we'll, we'll. There's we'll, lots of exploring. They had to find out where all of the things go. Um, yes. Yes. Um, and when a child knows the ship better than any of the adults that are there, 
you should listen to the child. And that's all I'm going to (laughs) say to start. I will say, before we get into the discussion, that watching this film reminded me of several fears I have, which is the fear of heights. And I do have a bit of claustrophobia. Mm. That definitely came out when watching this movie. I just kept thinking, I'm glad I'm not swimming underwater in an enclosed space that you can't get out (laughs) of. And I'm glad I'm not climbing, what, a 30-foot Christmas tree to try to escape? It's just not my thing. (laughs) It's too high. And I don't like being in a place without a way to get out. Yeah. <laughs> I I would agree with those things. Yeah, I and thought you a might. Lot of things, yeah, I, eh, doesn't sound like a fun adventure. No, uh, that's why when you said they were exploring the cruise ship, I yeah, that isn't my fun idea of exploring. <laughs> I'm not going to be going spelunking. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make decisions that would put myself in that situation. Right. <laughs> Unless it was like some sort of accident. There's no way I would want to be in that situation at all. Right. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into our uh, breakdown of this movie. Of course, we usually kind of go character synopsis. But uh, this week, uh, it's again one of those movies where everybody's kind of together. And yeah, there are several different characters that have kind of their own little arcs. But because it's very similar to Towering Inferno in a lot of ways, especially in the way that I did my notes, so we talked about it a little bit. And I was like, you know what? It's not a recap. We don't. I, I don't like doing the recap, but I think I stayed away from that very well. But I think I'm just leaving my notes alone as the way of the order I took them as we were watching. And I'll just talk through it because, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun. I think. I hope. Uh, I cracked myself up. So we'll see if I can, if Daphne doesn't get sick of me and we'll see if you guys enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let us know. Um, reach out to us on social media. Let us know what you think. I'm sure I won't get sick of it. I just, yeah, I'm just not sure what to expect, even though I do know what to expect. I don't know how you're going to punish me. So I guess we'll, we might as well just dive into it like it's a pool of water. Mm -hmm. Perfect. It was a good, it was a good attempt. Um. (laughs) A good attempt. Oh my goodness. Um, Yeah. and, And like Daphne mentioned this is another older one that I never would have watched probably uh, if it wasn't for this podcast, just <laughs> never would have found time for it, but it was cool. You know, it, going through, it was like Gene Hackman, Ernest Borgnine. It was like both names that I recognize. Uh, and I was like, Oh, it also stars red buttons. Like, like the staples buttons. That was easy. Um, no, no, uh, no, 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 not like the staples oh, button. No. Or, or like ones that set off an alarm. Or is the other mother in this movie trying to replace people's eyes with them? No. Where are the red buttons? No. Um, <laughs> no. No. No, none of those things, Fake. Actually, you may be surprised. Um, and then, of course, Leslie Nielsen. Hell yeah. I was excited to see his name pop up. I was like, oh, that, that's, this will be good then. Oh, yeah. For Leslie Nielsen, who's in the movie for all of 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he's in a serious role. Yeah. I mean, I I don't see, I mean, I, I don't think I've seen him in very many serious roles. He's always in like the Naked Gun movies and things Mm -hmm. like that. I'm not used to seeing him. And surely he can't be serious. No, he can't. (laughs) I knew that was going to come up. 
I knew it was going to happen. In fact, I almost said it myself just uh-huh. <laughs> just because I wanted to beat you to the punchline. Yeah. But I didn't. <laughs> and, and yes, I, I did mention, because this movie has been mentioned by listeners and us and just in general alongside Towering Inferno uh, constantly. And I it did. I ended up doing my notes the same way. So prepare for the jokes. Like this one right here. <clears throat> no. <laughs> oh, no. So notice, you know, the movie started, uh, you know, that movie in Tiring Inferno started with a helicopter taking a long journey that we got to watch all of it. Uh, and so when this one started, I was like, well, it looks like we get to watch a boat sail across the ocean for the first 20 minutes. Awesome. No, it didn't take that long. <laughs> but- <laughs> no, it did not go on that long. Yeah. So I was like, well, th- and then it has a little build up, you know, it was like talking about what happened with the with the Poseidon and then and this is their story. Yes. Like a child on a ship deck walking against the wind and the rain as they struggle to, Oh, Oh no, no more metaphors. This is actually the movie. Got it. Cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's funny. What I wrote down was there's always a child going places that they're not supposed to be. Yeah. I swear uh, a lot of movies have that element to them. Yeah. So the, yeah, right off the bat, our introduction to, to Robin Shelby. So this kid's smart and not smart at the same time. He can calculate the size of waves just by looking at them, but he's dumb enough to go outside and walk his way to the bridge in the storm during that. So, <laughs> Yeah, but you know what? I have to say this for, for him. He learned about the ship and was helpful in a lot of yeah. ways that the adults weren't. And I still say, how many movies have we covered that the adults should have listened to the kids and didn't? Right. This is another mm-hmm. one that I'm glad that they did listen to him in some cases. But there were those instances also where they looked down on him and you're just a kid. And I'm just thinking, he knows more about what's going on than you do, buddy. Right. Uh, so, yeah, he's up there. He just decided to take the captain's. Uh, I guess he had talked to the captain. and was like, yeah, come look around. You're uh, obsessed with ships, apparently. So I'll show you some stuff. So that's the time he picked. And then while he's there talking to the captain, you know, chief, the captain wants you on the phone. Well, how incredibly convenient that I'm already holding it in my hand. What's up? Um, (laughs) 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 It's just one of those moments. I mean, they, they just wanted it to be easier to cut down on time in the movie. So it wasn't three hours. If he already had the phone in his hand, that's going to cut, you know, 15 seconds of him walking over to get it. So, I mean, really, that's good. Should thank all of those things. So I'm yes. still watching the movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, but I, I like the cast of characters that we meet. We we the Rogos, Mike and Linda. When we first meet them, lots of people are getting seasick from all the waves, and then Mike's just a real complainer. A lot of the movie, but especially here uh, about his wife being sick, which leads to the whole suppository bit, which was funny. I really enjoyed. <laughs> uh, he's not real bright when it comes to suppositories and his wife Mm -hmm. doesn't have any patience for him like they don't have patience for each other how they're married i don't know or how they're still married i don't know because they fight and bicker throughout the whole movie it just is like some deranged sitcom between the two of them (laughs) which was fun it was fun uh we meet Mr. Martin, who jogs on the ship like he's trying to wiggle out of his jumpsuit. So I that was wa- something. It's okay. a little odd. <laughs> was he jogging or speed walking? And is that a thing where you do that? Because 
I've never seen anything like it in my life. And I will <laughs> tell you this. I watched another disaster movie that he was in right mm -hmm. after. Like, I finished my prep for this one. And right uh -huh. after I watched another movie that he was in. And he was doing the same thing in that. Where he was <laughs> running a lot. It was just, yeah. I don't know. Very odd. Very odd. Yes. <laughs> very much so. And, yeah. And we meet Reverend Scott, who uh, I like the introduction with him because we get his him talking to the other priest. And he's like, you've got to use your church for something more positive than prayer. And I was like, I like this guy already. <laughs> I knew. I This is the kind of pastor I like, one that's been <laughs> ostracized from the church for speaking reality. Cool. Yes. You know, and he ends that little bit with, you know, freedom to discover God in my own way. And I'm like, dude, this badass is deconstructing faith all the way back in 1972. <laughs> yes. Like. Good on him. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I like how Reverend Scott described himself as being rebellious and a renegade. And so I basically put down Reverend Scott is a radical, realistic, angry, rebellious, renegade reverend who wants his compatriot to get off his knees and do something. Nice. Say that <laughs> fast. You uh, can't. No. There's too many eyes. <laughs> yeah. I can't. I said it once. Oh. That's it. Mm -hmm. Rewind and listen to it again if you need to. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. And then, yeah, you mentioned we have the trope of nobody wanting to listen to the kid, but also we have the trope, you know, yeah, fuck Lynn Narcos. Uh, yes. You, you got to have the greedy moron with power Always. that causes problems. Says, I don't know what a ballast is, but we don't have time to wait for more of them. So no. go super fast now you or can't. I'll fire you and stuff. <laughs> because the, like, the Poseidon is top heavy. Mm -hmm. And the captain is trying to do his job and trying to put his passengers first, but you've got this Lenarcos. I just called him a bastard right from the beginning. I'm like, mm -hmm. you need to be the first to go, buddy. Yeah. You just Which did. we didn't ever see him die. I mean, nobody on the bridge made it, but no, but we, yeah, we didn't get that satisfaction. Right? Yeah. I'd like to hope that he was on the bridge when the water came rushing through. And I hope that was his fate because he was such an asshole and mm -hmm. caused all of this because, well, you know, we're three days behind. We have to get there. They're taking this ship to a scrapyard, basically. This is mm -hmm. the last voyage for this ship. Yeah. If it gets there one day or the next, okay. To me, that's how it feels. But he's looking at the thousands of dollars. And notice he's at thousands of dollars. Imagine what that would cost nowadays. Yeah, right? Yeah. We'd <laughs> be like, talking thousands? about that's it? Yeah, hundreds of Easy. thousands now. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he's just like that classic villain. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But people may die if I push this ship too hard. It's incredibly unsafe. It's like, well, I'm rich, so I don't care. Nah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that you can die on the bridge. <laughs> or die in the bow of the boat, or in the middle, or discoing your heart out, you're still going to end up in the same place, dead. Right. So what is really going to happen there? <laughs> you can't change it. So having money, the wave doesn't care if you can pay it to go away. Right. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's bouncing around. And again, because I chose my notes this way, where I'm like, we're not sticking to characters. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's bouncing around a lot of characters. Then my next thought is, why is this Robin kid yelling every single word he says? Like, inside voice, dude. He doesn't know then, any better. So then I was wondering, I was like, did they write Eric Shea's lines on all caps? Because like, 
oh, he's just a kid. We'll, we'll write every all of his lines in the script in all caps so he can see it easily. And then he just took it like, oh, no. That's what I have to do now. Yeah. For the whole movie. <laughs> you know, he wasn't in a ton of things after this. I mean, he was mm-hmm. in a few, but I think around the late 70s, he had stopped acting and disappeared. Yeah. You know, maybe his voice gave out. He was too hoarse. <laughs> <laughs> that could be. One never knows. Mm. Right. Uh, we get to see a little bit more of Reverend Scott with his sermon. Uh, I thought you would like his sermon. His sermon about fighting for yourself and for others instead of just praying, but doing everything that you can, being brave. Definitely a foreshadowing to everyone having to do just those things to try to survive later, which is cool. Definitely. Don't pray to God to solve your problems. Pray to that part of God that's inside you. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Gene Hagman, if you're going to decide you want to be a reverend now, Peg is happy to be at your church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, back to the Rogos. Lots of yelling. Mike's yelling to Linda through the door about going to the dinner. I guess then we kind of get this backstory of them that she was a sex worker before and she's ashamed because how many of her clients would be on the boat and then she's like, she tells Mike, stop shouting. And I was like, can you tell Robin next? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, man. But, but then I, I was actually really touched by their relationship and, and Mike's love for Linda. You know, we get that he was a police lieutenant who arrested her for prostitution several times, but still loved her, ended up marrying her, and then isn't bothered by her past at all. No. Just loves her for who she is. And I was like, God. This was in the early 70s? Yeah. Are you sure? Movies are making some great progressive statements already. That, I know. Okay. I'm I know. cool with What this. the hell um, happened, right? After right. this? <laughs> well, and Linda is Linda's more worried about it than he is. He even says, I arrested you a bunch of times just to keep you off the streets. Right. And I'm just like, he's so committed. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like yeah. we got a flip side, though, of that. When we have Belle and Manny Rosen... Mm-hmm. Their relationship is so quiet and tender and somewhat humorous because Mrs. Rosen, Belle, always has something kind of clever to say, especially mm-hmm. about Mr. Martin. Like he's talking about at one point he doesn't have enough time for um, he hasn't taken the time to try to find a wife and. She says to him, you're too busy taking all those pills because he basically had a baggie full of pills that he put down on the Mm -hmm. table next to his meal. So Martin is talking with the Rosens about being a haberdasher, which is basically running his own clothing store. Mm -hmm. And so he works a lot of hours. He doesn't have any time. And so she sees him when he's running by and she says he's lonely that's why he runs so he doesn't notice and these are all like very sweet clever little lines yeah and i just found that them to be very endearing together mm-hmm. bell and manny yeah. they were the flip side it was like like all the feistiness and fire came from um linda and mike and all the sweetness and adoration came from bell and manny so yeah. it was like a scale of balancing out things out just a little bit mm-hmm. yeah it was really cool there's, there's some good scenes at this new year's eve uh 
like dinner party, which I don't know what these goofy ass paper hats were that everybody's wearing, but you know, we go with it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But then you mentioned, yeah, the Rosen's at talking to Martin about not being married and stuff. And I was like, I don't mean to assume things about people, but uh, I'm going to take an educated guess and say it's probably not legal for him to marry who he'd want to yet. Just a vibe. I don't know. Um, it uh, could be or could not be. <laughs> I don't know. Just got a vibe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> got a vibe. No, uh, and then well, while they're at the dinner, the phone light starts flashing at the captain's dinner table. And I was like, ah, oh, I found it. One of those red buttons that are starring that I was told about. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, and then I notice Susan staring off at the Reverend while her little brother is yelling at the purser. I mean, not like angrily. They're having a normal conversation, just yet Robin volume. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, man. <laughs> she's just like even. zoned out and staring at him. I was like, that's, that's a little weird. Uh, I thought she kind of had a thing for him, maybe. Yeah, um... And then as the movie goes on, there was this strange little interaction between the two of them that made me very uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, I kept going, how old is she? Stop it. <laughs> what <laughs> yeah. are you doing? Yeah, um, <laughs> it's a little odd. Yeah. But, yeah, and then there's this sea quake, which is the first time I've ever heard that term in my life. Uh and so things are about to get rough right in the middle of this party you know the captain's like are we all batting down tight as a button sir a red button i don't know uh (laughs) oh my god if you guys could see my face right now (laughs) the new year's countdown which then i found myself kind of sad that they weren't traveling in the opposite direction because that wouldn't have that have been really funny you know three two Wait, we crossed a time zone. Got to wait another hour. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that could have been funny. Mm-hmm. And they all burst out into celebration. Lots of confetti. Singing Auld Lang Syne. And when they show the group that contains Robin, he's the only voice you can hear. That kid will never need a microphone in his life. Nope, probably uh, not. <laughs> and then back up in the bridge, there's this giant wave coming but there's no outside sound and you can clearly see the blue screens from the studio on the outside. So it kind of killed the tension, but you know, <laughs> but it we'll did, win, it. but it did win the Oscar for visual effects, Pete. Even though they left blue screens in the movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this was a different time. We didn't have CGI at the time. Mm-hmm. We did. They did their best with what they had in front of them. Yes. It yeah. doesn't hold it's, up in any way. It's, but it's, it's no okay. green sleeved fingers on Viserys Targaryen. No. Anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then they all went to the upside down. Yes, but. What a rough Ve- and tumble group of passengers. <laughs> but Vecna wasn't there, and there were no, no Demogorgons. Mm-hmm. If you guys don't know what that is. Um, goes check out Strange Indeed. It's the flagship show for that mm-hmm. podcast. Yes. Pake will walk you through <laughs> the whole thing over there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but for real, this shipwreck scene, was it slightly funny? Ah, yes. With people just like halfway screaming as they felt, uh, were the effects of people sliding all over, pianos crashing into walls, leaving us eventually with people 
dangling from tables that were luckily but strangely bolted to the floor. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they were cool. I, I did enjoy that. And then I saw the chairs that were also stuck to the floor ceiling and was like, well, that doesn't make any sense at all. No, <laughs> but it's okay. And you know what? I have a few notes on that under behind the scenes stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. And then this, the uh, Scott sees this dying crewman and that crewman is telling him, you need to go to the lifeboat stations. And I'm like, I don't think those are going to function at all no. when the ship's upside, upside down, down and everything's no. underwater. <laughs> yeah, no. No. That guy was a little disoriented. I don't think he knew what was going on. Yeah, he's the one who has a mistress that's the sea. Mm-hmm. He had that little clever little line. and Yeah. 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 But at that point, I'm just distracted by all of the chairs that were attached to the floor that is now upside down. It's a terrible design. People need to scoot those in and out of the tables. What are you Usually, doing? yes. But since this is a movie <laughs> set, they took the liberty of securing them where they needed to be. Uh, they needed to be on the new floor, which is the ceiling. Yeah. That's <laughs> where they needed to but be. But that might have <laughs> killed additional passengers that they weren't ready to kill just yet. They needed them to live an extra 20 minutes. <laughs> it's <laughs> <laughs> man terrible i i i put more thought because later on uh i think it's acres and, and scott are walking ahead to kind of scope out and uh, you know uh, stairways when they find it's blocked and there was like a desk that was sitting on the floor but it was actually on the ceiling attached and i was like well they bolted that one down too and so i thought about it and i was like no whoever the owner of this ship is maybe it's Lenarcos. Maybe he has this weird hang up where he thinks the passengers are going to try to steal all the furniture off the ship. So he <laughs> nails everything down. That's, <laughs> that's my head cannon on it. Now. Well, you um. never know. And Lenarcos <laughs> was a jerk. He could have done that. So he bolted all of the tables and chairs and dressers and everything to the floor. So nobody could steal furniture because yes. he thought that was going to happen. Yes. That they're going to walk <laughs> out through the front of the ship right. with a big ass table or a piano. Well, right. no, the pianos weren't nailed. <laughs> the piano down. went flying. So that he wasn't worried down. about that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'd want those ugly ass tables, <laughs> but that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's my prerogative. <laughs> right. But yeah, so this, they, they come up with their plan to survive a little bit, you know, because Robin knows Way more than everybody. He's obsessed with ships. Good for him. But I did, I had to pause it. I was laughing out loud. Not at what I said, but it just a line in the movie because I was like, just so perfectly delivered is when, when Robin's trying to tell them about, oh, we need to go here and we need to do this. And Mike goes, listen, kid, do you know how thick one inch of steel is? And Reverend Scott replies, <laughs> it's one inch less than two inches. Let's go. I was the perfect response. <laughs> Mike was the one who was always after, you know, calling him kid and making it seem like the kid knew nothing. But after Acres bites the dust, they needed someone who had a clue about the ship. Right. Mike's quite an ageist. He is. Very much. You know, Ro- he so. Thinks, so Robin's incapable of knowing anything because he's a child? That No, he knows lots of things and he will let you know about all of them. Yes. Loudly. Whether you want uh, to or not. Yeah. He's also really good at jumping on a bed. Mm-hmm. But he does tend to get lost when looking for the restroom. Which, Paik, how does that work when the toilet's on the ceiling? I have a note about that, strangely <laughs> enough. Um, yeah, I, I said, 
said, you know, Robin Scott barely make it to the hatch to the engine room because Robin, as he says, had to go to the John. What, did he climb up the stall and sit upside down? That would have been a mess. Or maybe it's not that serious. Maybe he was just aiming up at the urinals. I mean, either way, it's quite a feat, quite an impressive performance either way. So, you know, maybe he's got some talent. There. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, he can climb a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. He can't, which, you know, we're going to use the Christmas tree to to climb up to the bottom of the ship that's now the top. Don't worry about it. Move that dead guy. Stop arguing. Let's go. And then he's like, on three, one, two, up. And I was, he never said three. <laughs> and then the whole rest of the movie, I was waiting for him to say three. So I knew when to lift the tree. And he never said no. three again the rest of the movie. Well, it's a good thing you didn't have to lift the tree. I know. You I kept waiting. Like, he never said three ever again. No. <laughs> not at all. So those people should have still been down there holding that tree if they really were following the directions. Yes. <laughs> well, it, it's funny you say that because um, there were those defiant people listening to the parser and not trying to save themselves who mm -hmm. they were very defiant. They were not going to go. You know, they thought Scott was an idiot. Funny how the tune changed within five seconds when the water starts coming in and they all try to climb the tree at once. Yeah. Lead me to the tree. Water's pouring in. Now climb that fucking tree. Oh shit, we're falling. I I was wondering, am I allowed to curse in a parody version of a Christian worship song? I, I feel like in honor of Reverend Scott. Yes, yes, I am. I can do that. Um <laughs> <laughs> From time to time, Pake does step into song here on the podcast. Yeah, it, it happens. Uh, but yeah, they can put that tree up. I don't know, he's yelling at Acres to anchor the tree. Acres! Anchor! Anchor, Anchors! Acres, anchor! Anchor, Acres, anchor! Anchor it, Acres, anchor! Anchor! <laughs> Acres, anchor! <laughs> uh, oh, man. And then he goes, now, I need someone to go first to die in case it totally doesn't work. I mean... I mean, I need a monkey. Go, kid. Go. Totally believe in you. Fully. Totally. Uh-huh. Sure. Watch those chairs. They might release their inexplicable grip on the floor at any moment, but go, climb. What, do you think <laughs> that they're not nailed down and they're instead affixed by suction cups? Maybe it was magic. Who knows? I don't think Harry Potter was on this boat. He could have been. <laughs> Me. Uh yeah, and you did mention that they were those people are so defiant because like Reverend Scott and Martin are both going around trying to convince people to climb up, and then a lot of them were just choosing to stay down under the direction of the purser. Who's mean? Like, well, and, yeah, that purser mean. was mean, and it made everyone around him mean. Mm -hmm. Now we're not going with you. <laughs> he does go and try to talk to his friend who's on the boat, which is John the chaplain. Mm-hmm. Um, but he won't leave because it's his responsibility to stay. I actually respect that one. I did respect yeah. that. Because he was like, you know, like, I get it. Like, S Reverend Scott goes with these people who he has put himself in duty of saving the ones that want to go with him. But then for the other people who are just too injured or too old or for whatever reason or just don't want to go, at least, you know, in his eyes, there's a man of faith. There's mm -hmm. somebody, a shepherd there who can remain with them. Till the end, whatever it is. And I do have to respect that. Yeah, I agree. 
I really felt, though, for Scott, because he, once the water started coming in, the people jumped on the tree and tried to get up. The tree fell over and they couldn't climb up. He basically looked down at them and knew that he had to give up on them. Mm -hmm. And listening to the water rushing in and the screaming, once they went out and closed the door, they could still hear all of that. And you could tell it still affected him because he wanted to save them. He was trying to save them. They just wouldn't listen. Yeah. They they, they tried everything they could. I mean, I'm thinking, it's like, you see who's going. I mean, the Rosens went, lead singer Nani. The kids, Martin, they're all going up. So I'm assuming this has to be the right choice to make because all the main cast went up there. I know, right? You know, all of the red shirts stayed behind. I would have been down there like, wait, how low are you on the call sheet? Oh, shoot. I need to go with them. I need to go with them. (laughs) They're the ones that are getting out. You're not getting out. Right. It's not happening. Yeah. And then and Scott has this good point. Uh, You know, these giant dining rooms and halls like this are usually about in the middle of the ship. Floors like Mm -hmm. five through six. Uh, from my experience anyway, on the number of cruises I've been on, which is like three, four, uh, <laughs> you know, I think they missed an opportunity to, um, it's too bad. They couldn't have danced on the ceiling because this was, you know, a great uh, opportunity to do that. It right. would have been great. Wouldn't it? Yeah. But they were too busy at the time fighting over if they should stay or go. Yeah. And the band was kind of dead. And the band so. was kind of dead. So they couldn't yeah. really do it. But, um, yeah, it's a missed opportunity. Hmm. Yes, but I was thinking even before everything happened, because I was like, well, I mean, this is like, you know, where the the dining room is. I was like, you know, there's a good point that they're definitely closer to the bottom floors, which are now at the top of the water. Mm-hmm. However, they are still kind of close enough to the bottom that maybe waiting there, rescue, you know, they'd be okay. Rescuers would eventually have to come down and get them and they'd have to climb up eventually. Yeah. But you know, I don't know, rushing ahead, maybe a good, and I was like, so maybe they have a point. And there's like, or some big explosions could happen and a bunch of water could just rush into that floor immediately. And they're all going to die. So, you know, that's also an option. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) 50, 50. Should you do a coin flip? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And at this point, the tree is toppled over. It's under the water. So it doesn't even matter if he said three anymore at this point. Nobody's lifting that thing. And they could, if they had, been careful and not over like rushed the tree more people could have survived but no everyone was greedy and just wanted to get out and they were so worried that they just i mean people were getting trampled was yeah it was not a pretty sight yeah so i they get back out and they're in these corridors and they got to climb their way up and i was really interested actually just as a like from watching the set I was like, I'm I'm curious to see how they show more of a ship upside down. How they can be kind of creative with some of that thing and show it, you know, because they didn't quite nail the table or the chairs. Well, actually, they did. That was the problem. Yeah. They were nailed. Um, they seemed to be nailed <laughs> to the floor and didn't fall. But yeah, I was curious to see kind of how, and, and it was kind of, you know, the upside down staircases and dealing with like all the like the lighting fixtures were like hung upside down and climbing, you know, through latches the other way. I was, I was like, okay, I, I like that. And it seems like when production notes you mentioned, they filmed a lot of like parts of this on an actual ship that mm-hmm. the Queen Mary. Mm-hmm. So they had a lot of reference. So that's cool. Yeah. And then yeah, uh, see, Rogo doesn't like anyone except his wife. Uh, oh <laughs> seems. man. Uh, 
<laughs> he doesn't like anyone taking any authority over him. He doesn't want anyone to be in charge over him. He wants to be in charge, but he has no fucking clue what to do. He's mm-hmm. a former policeman. He has nothing to do with boats. And his wife, if she'd had her way, they would have flown. Mm. Yeah. Maybe that would have been best. It I might have. <laughs> For her, Maybe it would have been, been a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that those mention, you know, they go ahead, they're looking at the stairs, the stairways are blocked, so then they have to go to this like through this little tunnel to find their way to Broadway. It's called and Miss Rosen is just having a terrible time. Um <laughs> through all of the tunnels and the stairways. I mean, Linda doesn't have to be so rude about it. Gosh, but I know. You know, but we gotta climb everybody through this tight little tunnel, and I was like, now Robin, no talking in that tunnel. It is very echoey and you're gonna <laughs> hurt somebody. Uh <laughs> They get through the tunnel, and then they're stuck with a ladder, which then Acres falls into the water, and he sinks like an anchor. Acres, Acres, anchor. Uh-huh. Um, Mike went in after him, but then came back up alone. Maybe he, I guess he exploded. I don't, it was. <laughs> I don't know. There was a big explosion that caused Acres to fall off, and mm. I don't know what happened, or if he just sank to the bottom right away. Maybe he was an anchor. Mm-hmm. Could have been. They're saying his name wrong the whole time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then that's where we realize that Nani seems to have a crippling fear of water. So, you know, maybe bringing on a cruise ship wasn't her best idea. Yeah, I didn't understand that at all. She was really lucky that she had Martin because Martin, she never would have survived without him. Oh, absolutely he, not. He was coaxing her and talking to her and pulling her along, getting her through all the obstacles because she would have just given up. Mm-hmm. I mean, she did lose her brother, who was the, I think, the drummer for the band, and I think he wrote the music. So that was a traumatic experience for her. Mm-hmm. But other people lost people along the way and had to keep going. So it's a survival situation. It's what you have to do. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was very kind, uh, Mr. Martin was, and he's just trying to help her along the best he can. He really kind of dedicated himself to helping her survive, mm-hmm. so that was really, really good. Uh, but then Scott has kind of put himself in charge of everyone, uh, a shepherd, if you will. Leading the flock. He was a, a little aggressive about it. You know, Definitely. I don't think he can, you can't really blame Mike for Acres' death. She kind of does. But then it gets turned on him because then Mike is straight up blaming him for Linda later. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, and then they meet the doctor and the nurse and all these other, like, I guess the, the seasick patients from before. Yeah. Uh, who were down on the metal, medical deck. So who now are up a little closer. But they're headed towards the front of the ship. And, I mean, maybe he has a point that the engine room was a lost cause. I mean, explosions usually would happen where the mm-hmm. engines and electric <laughs> were going to be. But it's good that Scott's going to go check it out anyway. Yeah. And then Susan decides to follow him after having a little conversation with her brother where I was like, Robin even whispers loudly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, because Susan had a thing. I mean, she did. Yeah. And it was, it was still so weird. I still, <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't know what was up with that Mm-mm. no and then robin runs off to do his incredible feats of bathroom so, agility yeah um <laughs> but 
yeah, and then them swimming to the engine room, which prolonged underwater scenes. I don't like it. No, I that's knew. that's my fear yeah. is underwater. I don't do well with that. Um, so these these were not fun, but we find out Belle is a swimming champion. So I do love that that she has that to yeah. hold on to. Where she ends up going after Scott when he gets trapped, which was so nice of him to to leave the you know rope tied to the stairways with electrical, you know, black electrical tape in different what? certain places. Well, I don't understand that at all. I'm like, this didn't, this is nuts. That, that is, that's the star. How thoughtful. That's a Starbucks cup in Game of Thrones. Right. That, let's just say that. That was an early indication of what, it, how things were getting mm-hmm. left in there like that. Yep. <laughs> Not okay. So I, of course I'm going to notice it. Uh, <laughs> yes, you are. You notice every little thing. Yeah, but I'm I'm also very glad that he was right about the engine room still being clear and not underwater cuz that would have made the rest of the movie a really huge bummer, you know. And then they all died the end. Yeah, no. Maybe wouldn't have been as great. No. <laughs> so they get through. They really weren't afraid in this movie of killing people off. Mm-hmm. Like you would hope for certain characters or the couples for things to work out for them in the end. But this movie did not care what your feelings were. <laughs> it did what it wanted. Yeah. Cause I guess what Miss Rosen just had a heart attack yep. after they made it over. I was like, well, that really sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but she saved the day. I mean, she sacrificed mm-hmm. herself to save everyone else. And she wanted to do her part because people, I mean, Linda had been a little bit rude about her. Yeah. I mean, Robin's telling stories about 600 pound whales. I think it was a whale. Swordfish. Swordfish. So Robin's telling stories about. 600 for a whale is nothing. That's a tiny whale. (laughs) (laughs) So Robin, yeah, tells a story about the swordfish and I just felt bad for her. I mean, at one point they were hoisting her up they were pulling everybody up earlier in the movie to get them up to another level and they're just pulling her up this slant and i just felt for her like she she must have felt like she couldn't do anything mm-hmm. but this was something she could do and she wanted yeah. to do it and all she and her husband wanted to do was to get to israel to see their grandson who they hadn't seen he was two mm-hmm. years old, and they just wanted to get there. So uh, she she ended up being quite an MVP of this movie, even yeah. if she didn't make it. So she was she's one of the to, to Bell Rosen. Yep. Uh, and then Mike makes the swim and finds Scott sitting there, kind of still looking at what had happened. He's like, "Well, why didn't you pull on the rope?" She's like, "Well, I got trapped, and then she freed me, and then we got over here, but then she died." And I was like, "Well, that sucks, but." You didn't answer his question. Why didn't you pull on the rope? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you still could have done that. Well, and he didn't realize, Rogo, Mike Rogo didn't realize that she had died. Because he's mm-hmm. sitting there talking about, you know, she's, how great it was. You got a lot of guts, lady. Because she did something that no one else was stepping up to do except Reverend mm-hmm. Scott. Yeah. And I loved her one of her last comments to Scott when she, when they got through uh, Bell said to him, you see, Mr. Scott, in the water, I'm a very skinny lady. And mm-hmm. I liked that. I thought that was kind of, it, it just another represent, you know, it, it's representative of who she was. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then poor Mike, because he still didn't pull on the rope, so then poor Mike yeah. has to swim. And then he has to swim back to, you know, he's going to swim again to get the others. Why didn't and he has he to swim just... it again, again, to like come back with everybody. Why didn't he just pull on the rope? I know, like, just pull on it a bunch. Like, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. here, it's working. You're good. Yeah, uh, I didn't I understand know. that. I was kind of like, huh? Yeah. So then he just has to go. So Mike has to go back and then work with everybody. Send the kids first. And Robin's like, I can swim three lengths of our swimming pool underwater, but sis can only swim two. And he's like, thanks for yelling a random fact at me. It's only 35 feet. That's irrelevant. Now go. <laughs> um. <laughs> can we talk about the fact that Susan was running around in these high heel shoes the entire she, time? Uh, I didn't she even didn't notice. take How did those I not off. I'm like, what are you people doing? Why is she's it? doing her best Bryce Dallas Howard impression years and years in advance? I guess, but wow, ugh, no, um, <laughs> take the shoes off if they're keeping you from getting anywhere. Because mm-hmm. they had to be. I mean, they were struggling to get different places in here—the catwalk and. Everything and yeah, she should have taken those off. I don't understand. She yeah. was, she didn't have a problem taking the bottom half of her dress off, right? So I'm gonna need you to take. Oh, you already got. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. you're you were ready for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But everybody goes except Martin and Annie are the ones at the end. Like I won't go without you. And she's like, really? So we can just stay here and die? She's like, well. No, that's not ideal. Maybe you hang on to me. <laughs> we go because she seemed at first like, "Oh, then we'll just stay here and die." That's a great idea. Yeah, like, yeah no. He, uh, again, he... he talked her into it. <laughs> yeah, but she didn't know how to swim, so she was yeah. a wreck. And he, of course, just... she can't swim. We've seen her scream and cower at the mere sight of water. water. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we didn't touch on her trauma. Like we didn't know her well enough to dig into the trauma of why she doesn't know how to. swim swim and mm-hmm. why she's scared of water yeah yeah i'm not sure but i don't yeah, know this clearly going on a cruise ship was quite a step for her in the first place uh <laughs> i'm all for trying to get over your fears but maybe going out in the middle of the ocean on a cruise ship for however long is probably not a good idea well i mean they don't usually flip over well it's- true <laughs> but she would pick the one that would right. flip over. Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, so they're all over. And then you have that kind of emotional moment where Mr. Rosen wants to just stay with with the body of his wife. And I was like, no, he has to make it. That's one of the things that they would have decided to kill off both of the Rosens. I would have been mad. Yeah. Because it's like, no, with the whole necklace and everything's like, no, he has to push through. And so I'm glad that Scott gives him the necklace and talks him into going. Yeah. And then they all have to go and do their little climb on the catwalk. Ooh, yeah, the catwalk. How do you know that song, Pake? That song? <laughs> because I I'm, am a human being that exists. I'm pretty sure that came... <laughs> that was a one-hit wonder that came out before mm-hmm. you were born. Yes. We all know that you're only allowed to listen to music that comes out after your birth. That's right. That's how time works. It <laughs> <Yeah>. is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah. Boy, I've never heard the Beatles before in my no, life. No, of course not, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the catwalk scene, a lot of tension, a lot of things. And then, you know, it kind of ends. Scott's journey ends as he's hanging there going, oh, don't mind me, everyone. I'm just hanging here from this valve, having a personal spiritual breakthrough. So there's no need to stare at me. 
And I, I got the Steam shut off, so you know now GTFO players. Sorry about Linda. Linda, that's a bummer. But anyway, y'all should probably bounce. I'm gonna go bye bye now. Splash. Oh man, <laughs> he he had quite a relationship though with God because he's like mm-hmm. screaming before he does that. He's screaming, "We didn't ask you to fight for us, but God damn it, don't fight against <laughs> us!" And I'm just like, okay. It's like, take yeah, so me. We did all this without you. Why are you like, yeah. I said, just breakthrough after breakthrough, man. Good for you. You're just growing. Yeah. <laughs> all the way to the end. He's just growing. <laughs> he yells it at Ro- He's like, Rogo, get them through. And I'm like, okay, so what? He's been grooming Rogo to take everyone the extra mile at the end? Is that <laughs> what's been going on? Because the two of them did not get along. Like, no. they just did not get along. And then. At one point, they were talking about it, and Reverend Scott says, maybe we're two of a kind, and you don't like looking at you sh- at yourself. And I'm thinking, I don't think, Reverend Scott, you're really like Rogo, but maybe there's something to that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. They both tend to... I, the, the one thing that I think they do have in common a lot is uh, being very self-confident and assuming that they're right and everybody else is wrong no matter yeah, what. I think I they think, do share that. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. This was one of the moments, too, right after Scott um, falls to his death, that um, Martin really steps up and just lets into him. Lets mm-hmm. into Rogo, because Rogo's just sitting there. I mean, he, granted, he just lost his wife. Yeah, He hadn't even gotten over being mad at Scott before Scott died. And he's just like, what kind of policeman were you? You've done nothing but beef and complain. Always negative. Always destructive. Well, now's your chance to do something positive for a change. Are you quitting, Mr. Ogo? Are you going out with a whimper on your belly? And he somehow he kind of is like, hey, and he gets up and decides to be a leader, I guess. Yeah, it's just Martin talking mad shit. Yeah. Moving. It worked. I liked like, it. <laughs> man. Yeah. Martin was my other MVP of this movie because I felt like yeah. he, Nani lived because of him and he lit the fire under Rogo to get through the rest of it. Yeah. Just thinking they're going to, you know, finally get to that door and Rogo's going to reach over and be like, oh, sorry guys, it's locked. We got to go around, find another way. <laughs> <laughs> It did get a little interesting when they got to the, where the steel hull, the, I think it was right outside the engine room. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about, oh, well, the hull is, thick. and then Robin in his best yelling voice, we're mm-hmm. in Shaft Alley, nowhere is the steel hull thinner. Going back to, it's an inch thick here. Mm-hmm. Which we learned through scientific measures, is one inch less than two, than two inches. inches. I'm going to take yeah. that with me. It's a lesson yeah. that I appreciate. I can take with me. Learning stuff every day. Every day is a, a lesson Isn't it great? In life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then it is, it's crazy to think, yeah, these six survivors were literally the only ones. Mm-hmm. They ask the guys when they, they cut through the steel and finals, like, did you get anybody from the bow? Did you get, he's like, no, no. this is it. I was like, damn, lucky for all of them that Reverend Scott's guesses based on a nerdy kid's fascination of ships were spot on. Um, <laughs> real good. Um, yeah, but it worked. 
Right. I mean, it really worked. I was glad. I mean, they lost a few along the way, but they're definitely better off being six people alive than everyone dead because they listened to a person who was too stubborn to think that he might not know the right answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The real adventure is those we lose to Poseidon along the way. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh man. So they're in the stern, banging, and that's when they hear banging back. And it was, yeah, it was kind of ridiculous. I was kind of waiting for one of them to be like, we should try the shaving the two bits thing and see if they... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, shaving a haircut. That's what, you know? <laughs> see if they hit his back with the... Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. No. <laughs> That's how you really know someone's on the other side. Uh-huh. It's the universal sign. You all, Everybody knows that one. Oh, sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Regular shaving haircut, not one of the upside down barber chairs. I know. I thought it was interesting, though. They were coming up with ways of how to do that, like how that could be effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only on Poseidon. Showing those. Uh, up. Now. Here we go. Is Well. That's, no, no, this is one of those things. How typical of it is it to have those actually bolted or nailed down to the floor? I don't know because I don't go in barber shops. I go in beauty salons, and none of the chairs are bolted to the floor in any beauty salon mm. I've ever been in. Right. You go to a barber. Have you yeah. ever seen that? I never really thought. I've noticed. I, I don't think that. The guy that I go to bolts his chair to the floor. Okay, I don't, I don't so he's so. not afraid that someone's going to steal it out the front door? No, or that the whole building is going to flip upside down. Okay, all um, right. Yeah, I don't think he's worried about that. You know, this could be a clever way to get kids to get their hair cut if they thought they were being flipped upside down. Because mm-hmm. a lot of kids have fits when they go to the to get their first haircut or whatever. They don't like it, but maybe this would make it fun for them. We could make mm-hmm. like little rocket ship and uh, yeah. strap them when in. You get you real dizzy. Yeah. <laughs> spin them around. Whenever they start crying, you just spin them and then keep going until mm-hmm. it's done. There's mm-hmm. a great idea. Just waiting for someone to implement it. Yeah. Just give us credit and yes. some of the royalties. Yes, please. Um. <laughs> please, we'd love that. Yeah. I think that's that is... it for all of my notes. I'm yeah. looking through to see if there's anything that I missed. But I don't think so. Not even any of my quotes. I think I've given all the quotes that I had. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, I think that we covered this whole movie. We did it! Yay! And we had lots of fun doing it. This was a good one. I feel like I've got to find another good punny one for us to do next season. Because I love when we do these episodes. It's just kind of funny when you have to go back and watch cinema before 1980. Mm -hmm. Because it was a different time. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> A very different time. What now? I think, yeah, as we've kind of wrapped up conversation, you're out of notes, I'm out of notes. But I know you did mention earlier, you've got some behind the scenes stuff that I am curious to hear some of what you got there. All right. Well, then I will not hold back and I will deliver my behind the scenes notes for the Poseidon Adventure. 
So Sterling Siliphant worked with Alan again a few years later on The Towering Inferno. Some of the pre-capsized sequences were shot aboard the Queen Mary, including the opening storm sequence, the pre-disaster scenes in the staterooms and hallways, the scenes above decks, and an early scene in the engine room. Paul Gallico, who wrote the novel, was inspired to write it after a vacation aboard the Queen Mary in 1937. While he was having breakfast, the ship was hit by a large wave that sent furniture and people crashing to the other side. He was also inspired by a true incident which occurred aboard the Queen Mary during World War II, which I thought was cool. And then they still shot on that same ship. On that same ship. Those same things have happened to it. I know. It's kind of ironic, I think. (laughs) Yeah, so packed with American troops bound for Europe, the ship was struck by a freak wave in the North Atlantic. It was calculated that if the ship had rolled another five inches, it would have capsized. The Poseidon Adventure was shot in sequence. It took advantage of the fact that the principals became dirtier and more tattered and suffered injuries, some real and some artificial, as they progressed. I actually had wondering about that because I noticed at one point when they're on the catwalk, I was like, all their clothes have dried. Mm-hmm. And I was like, did they film this before? But I guess not. No. But then I was like, well, I guess it kind of works. I mean, just it's hot in there and a lot of steam. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was like, they would eventually over time. And so. Yeah. And then just then, you know, however long it took to film all those things. I was like, yeah, yeah. it kind of works out. <laughs> <laughs> so except for the most dangerous stunts. All of them were done by the actors themselves. As the actors performed more and more stunts, director Ronald Neem said that soon they started to get competitive and try not to be outdone by each other. Can't you imagine Ernest Bornine and Gene Hackman having a stunt off, not (laughs) wanting one to be outdone by the other? Hmm... So the set for the banquet hall was designed so that very few objects needed to be moved from the floor to the ceiling and vice versa. The columns, Especially if they were nailed to the floor. Of course. <laughs> so the columns along the walls were identical at the top and bottom. The wall decorations were all removable. The famous interior capsizing scene was done in two parts. The first part had... The hydraulically controlled set tilted to its maximum 45 degrees. The cameras were then stopped and the set was redressed so that the floor became the ceiling and vice versa. The actors were then returned to the set, which was then tilted further to complete the sequence. The score for this movie was composed and conducted by John Williams. Nice. We've done a few of his movies on Run Fair Lives. Mm-hmm. Once the theatrical run was over, ABC paid a million dollars for the TV rights. At the time, it was the most money a network had ever paid for a film's broadcast rights. Shelley Winters, who played Belle, trained with an Olympic swim coach so that her character, who is a former award-winning swimmer, would come across more realistically in the underwater scenes. While he and the others are lifting the giant Christmas tree, Rogo mutters, Holy fuck, it's heavy. That was a genuine reaction from Ernest Bornine, and the line was kept in the movie. I missed it. Dang it. (laughs) (laughs) I would have loved that. I missed him saying I was probably too busy waiting for the three. Yeah, Um. (laughs) you were, probably. 
So Gene Hackman, who played Reverend Frank Scott, won a BAFTA, British Academy Film Award, for Best Actor. He won for two films, playing Reverend Scott, and he won for his role as Jimmy Popeye Doyle in The French Connection. Um, Shelley Winters won a Golden Globe for her performance as Belle Rosen. A sequel titled Beyond the Poseidon Adventure, which was also based on a novel by Gallico, was released in 1979. Film was directed by Irwin Allen and starred Michael Caine and Sally Field. Slim Pickens also, which for me, he'll always be dropping from a plane on a bomb in a wonderful movie that if you know, you know. (laughs) Unfortunately, Beyond the Poseidon Adventure was a box office failure and the only Alan disaster film to receive no Oscar nominations. Maybe Mm. Irwin Allen should stick to producing because that's his, that's what he's known for. Did you ever watch that one? I have. Is it any good? Can we cover it? I think we, is it worth it? I think we could cover it. <laughs> There's some fun. You know what, Peg? We can definitely cover it because I think you would it. have a field day with it. I do. Exactly. All right. <laughs> if you think so, then we're we're doing it. Yeah, we should. The news is out. We're breaking breaking news. We're covering beyond the Poseidon yeah, Adventure yeah. at some point. at some point. <laughs> and finally, the Poseidon Adventure has been remade twice. First as a television special in 2005. Um, it had the same name. It was also uh, remade as a theatrical release in 2006 with the title Poseidon. It's loosely based on the Poseidon Adventure. Of course, it's a lot more updated. Um, starring Kurt Russell, Emmy Rossum. It's decent. We'll probably cover that one, too. It'll be fun. There's no child yelling at everybody in that no, movie, is there? No, okay. there is not. <laughs> and we will not be covering the TV special, because that one, though not terrible, we're not covering mm. it. That's fine. <laughs> oh. oh, my goodness. We are- I'm going to go answer this, and I swear to God, if Robin's on the other end and bursts my eardrum, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have words. All right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's go see what's going on with the feedback folks. All right, man, the feedback phone is ringing off the hook today. We got so much stuff. I love it. Got a lot of feedback, got a lot of stuff to go through, and I'm excited. Thank you so much, everybody, for reaching out, and we will get through it now. I'll go ahead and start. Of course, uh, we got a couple for Hush from last week, so I'm glad that we got some feedback coming back from there. New Tony was going to come through with a little bit more on that one, of course. You know, she talked about little extra stuff with uh, Midnight Mass being in Gerald's game. Which I was like, I'm a little scared to rewatch that. Um, <laughs> yeah, because she says, uh, hi, I just started to listen to the Hush coverage. And I forgot to mention a little Easter egg. Midnight Mass is mentioned in this movie. But did you know it is in Gerald's game too? Uh, so that's when I responded to that first post on Twitter with, yeah, I would like to go see that. But I was like, but Gerald's game, as much as I love that movie, I don't know if I can ever put myself through that again. Yeah, <laughs> which, that was a rough one to watch. Whew. Yeah. It was very rough. Which is another Mike Flanagan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, that one's that one's rough for several reasons. If you've seen it, then you know. And I don't need to, to go there. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine being Mike Flanagan and getting to direct a Stephen King film? Well, he directed Doctor Sleep, too. True. So, yeah, yeah that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So these are big things for him to get to. 
to do considering how much he loves Stephen King's work. Yes. Right. But yeah, Tony came to uh, our rescue of having to go back and look through Gerald's game ourselves and posted a picture on Twitter. So if you go to our Twitter, you can look through responses and stuff and find these things. Um, where she does show a little uh, screenshot from Gerald's game. Says, you can see the book on the shelf above the bed. Now back to listening to y'all. And she gave a little extra uh, stuff. This is the shot I'm talking about. Very quick with no actual mention. So you won't have to go search for it. I've seen a lot of Flanagan's movies and TV shows. I listened to Rima and you on Stranger T-Cast, on Stranger Things. Referring to me, she's responding to me on Twitter. Um, just have a hard time going through an episode at a time. I feel you there, Tony. Yes, because me and Rima over on Strange Indeed. Yeah, we cut through like we go through Netflix shows one episode a week and it can be torture sometimes, especially when we did stranger things. <laughs> well, you know, Netflix is toying with the idea of releasing their shows week to week. I know. And as a podcaster, I love that idea. Absolutely. I know a lot of other people who love just binging shows are kind of upset at the idea, but it's funny when I talk to them, I'm like, I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> it would help me a lot. <laughs> Except if it's a show you don't podcast on. Right. Which then- I've I've kind of fallen out of binging stuff because I don't have time anymore because there's so many shows I need to watch that I kind of <laughs> I don't have to have time to stop and binge one thing because I've got 20 different shows I got to watch an episode of every week. I know. It's so hard. <laughs> there's so many things and I'm so far behind. And I know I'm not the only one. Like, a lot of our friends, too, have talked about being behind on TV. It's just because we're in this age of great TV. And it's hard to keep up, but it's also something you can't complain about because it just means there's a lot of awesome things out there to watch. Mm -hmm. Well, Alma Contreras says, I can't believe I had been snoozing on this flick. What a good, suspenseful movie. I was on edge the entire time. I, too, am a Mike Flanagan fan, thanks to Paik and Rima. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Alma. Thank you so much. Another strange indeed. Shout out. Yeah, we've covered. I, I mentioned that uh, in last week's episode with Hush that, yeah, we've covered all the Mike Flanagan stuff that we can over there pretty much. So right. big fans. Yeah. It was a matter of time before we started covering some of his films here. So Yeah. And there's a couple more that I think we definitely can do. So. Definitely. Definitely do them. I'm excited. Uh Uh-huh. But on to this week's movie, The Poseidon Adventure. Got some feedback here. Start it back over with Tony again on this one over on Twitter. Says, an oldie but a goodie. I haven't watched it in years, but as a child, I was just fascinated by this thriller. Stellar cast. Shelly Winters, when she dies, heartbreak emoji. I would probably still cry. I'm looking forward to hearing if you liked this classic. I also saw the remake with Richard Dreyfuss. It was okay. (laughs) Yes, we're probably going to cover it at some point, just not yet. Um, It's not part of a double dip, but it could be something we cover in season five. I can't believe I'm saying season five of Run For Your Lives. (laughs) So Kelly Burgess said, this was one of my favorite movies as a kid. I seriously had a weird crush on Gene Hackman in it. You and Susan both, Kelly. I think it might have been the movie that started my love of disaster films, though. I might just have to rewatch it now. I hope you did. Mm -hmm. I feel really sentimental about it. Yeah. 
Good. Uh, Amal Contreras over on Facebook with another one here says, I love this movie. Hard to believe it came out the same year I was born. Did I just age myself? LOL. I would love to do a fresh rewatch. Is it on Netflix? Paik responded and let Alma know that it is not available on Netflix, but you can rent it on Amazon Prime, yes. right? Yes, it's available for purchase and rent on Amazon Prime and YouTube movies right now. I know for sure those two. Alma also responded to Kelly's comment about uh, loving disaster movies with, you will probably like Earthquake with Charlton Heston. That's on my list of movies to put Peg through <laughs> for Run for Your Lives. It's a good movie. It's just a longer one. Mm-hmm. And Howard Bannister. Hello. It's good to hear from you, Howard. I can't think of this movie without Bette Midler's hilarious parody of Shelley Winters in her show Divine Madness. I've never seen that, but now I feel the need to go check it out. Yeah. And uh, if you're on our Facebook page, I will go ahead and say he did leave a video clip with that comment. And I watched it, and yeah, it is it's pretty funny. So you can go look that up if you want to as well. <laughs> Definitely. And lastly, we do have a Steve voicemail. Some live Steving, perhaps. I don't know anymore. Sometimes we get him, sometimes we don't. He is a busy, busy man with all of his feedback, but he takes time to get to us. So we'll see what he's got. Here we go. Oh, Peg and Daphne, this is Steve, and this is for the Poseidon Adventure. I'm finally sending in a live Steve. Gosh, it's Yay! been a while. Wait, <laughs> this is quite a cast. I know I missed a bunch from Ernest Borgnine and a whole bunch of people from the, the 70s, but then I love the last one. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen as the captain. Hey, that little graphic <laughs> about the SS Poseidon and this is their story. Is this a true story? It can't be a true story. No. <laughs> from no, my cabin, Steve. sir. You said come up any time. Yeah, in the worst weather ever. I don't believe this little kid served up to 18-foot waves. <laughs> Suppositories, they go up your butt. Gene Hackman, <laughs> I did not see his name in the credits. Oh, classic. The guy is ordering the captain to go full ahead. going to show us the crazy runner guy again, and is he going to fall over? <laughs> the hippie's going to a jazz festival, and Roddy McDowell in his best accent. That was the craziest sermon. I don't agree with most of it. Okay, so <laughs> Mrs. Rogo was prostitute. And he was a cop who married her. What the heck are these people wearing on their heads at this dinner? Okay, why was Susan just staring so intently at Gene Hackman? Okay, that's a big wave. Ooh, that dude just got crushed by a piano. I mean, for 1972, this had to be a massive scene to film. And lots of stunt people. Oh, okay, yeah. so they know, they all know each other, the Reverend and these two kids. But she's in a bad situation right now. I don't know if that whole thing with the tapestry would work in real life. Maybe. One inch of steel is less than two inches of steel. Good logic there and way to stay positive. Yeah, Reverend, you're going to have to push your butt. Okay, Mr. Martin and the singer, I see a little love connection maybe there. And all these other people are staying because we just wouldn't be able to follow that many people. That deteriorated rapidly. Rapidly. Hey, this kid knows way more about this boat than you do, Ernest Borgheim. <laughs> this kid <laughs> has got a perfectly to an art. A 600-pound swordfish off Hawaii. Kind of mean, Mr. Mrs. Rogo. Mm-hmm. About the about Bell climbing through the shaft. I want to get stuck behind her. Y'all just climb up the ladder. Don't look down. We lost acres, maybe. Huh, other people still alive. You're walking downward. Don't you know that's going to be toward the water? Deeper, at least. There sure is a lot of space in this boat. A, a barbershop? Okay, I was just going to chide him for for grabbing the kid and yanking him by his arm. But now, yeah, they get her get moving. <laughs> She's... 
<laughs> that dive she just did into the into the bulk the water was great. Oh. Did she just have a heart attack and oh no. Okay, she's breathing. Oh, I guess she's gone now. Oh. Is, is that light coming from somewhere? Like a broken part of the hole, maybe? I don't know. Is nobody concerned about the fact that Mr. Rosen just killed himself? He followed the rope. I don't know. He did follow the rope. I wonder how big of a set this was, because it had to be massive. I mean, was it done on a soundstage, or did they have an actual boat that they were able to film in? Oh, no. We lost Mrs. Rogo. Oh. He was helping you the whole way, and now you sacrificed yourself. So there's people outside the hole trying to save him. All right. There it was. 1972's The Poseidon Adventure. Talk to you later. Oh, Steve. That was great. I love going through the movie and listening to it with Steve's perspective. Yes. It's just a lot of fun. <laughs> and some of the questions, Steve, you will get the answers to if you're listening to this podcast, because I talk about them in my behind-the-scenes piece. Right. But if you would like to submit feedback, like Tony, Kelly, Alma, Howard, and Steve... You can do so by going to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash run for your lives podcast. You can email us at run for your lives podcast at gmail.com. Tweet at us at RFYL podcast. DM us on Instagram at run for your lives podcast. If you are enjoying the show, please tell your friends. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, pretty much all the other podcast players including YouTube. Go to runforyourlivespodcast.com for all the links you'll ever need and give us a review on Apple Podcasts as that's the best way to share the love and get us out there even more. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, we do. Always appreciate it. Of course, talking about sharing the love. Got to give those shout outs to things going on in the podcast universe around us. Try to be quick. There's a lot of stuff going on over in Podcastica right now. Of course, my other podcast, Strange Indeed, me, Rima, and Jason still continuing on through our coverage of the third and final season of Lock and Key. That's been a lot of fun. Still having a good time with that. And then, of course, Podcastica, again, all of these shows, go find them, go download them, go check them out. <laughs> so over on the Handmaid's Tale podcast, uh, episodes one and two are already up. They got some screeners, so they were able to jump right into those. And those, of course, would be Jason, Wendy, and somebody else who's <gasps> on that podcast. That would be me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, we did get screeners. So at least for the first eight episodes, the podcast will be released on Wednesdays. Nice. So as soon as you watch the episode, you will have a podcast to listen to. But you can still send feedback. It will p- appear on the next week's episode. Perfect. Then on the Sandman cast, Mark and Jamie still working their way through Netflix, the Netflix series, The Sandman. So go check that out as well if you're a fan of that. She-Hulk cast, Greg and Penny covering She-Hulk Attorney at Law. That has also been a lot of fun, the show and their coverage. Over on Dragon cast, covering House of the Dragon, Rima and Wendy this week. Uh, Kristen was feeling a little sick, so Wendy was able to fill in. Done a phenomenal job with that on episode three. Is it three? Four? Three? Four? It's- Four. Four. Now, yes. Man, I'm already... Again, what did we talk about earlier? Way too much TV to try to talk <laughs> with. But I am watching House of the Dragon. It's so good. It's Me too. on the it's top so of my well list done. every week. Yeah. <laughs> it's really well done. Yes. Over on the cast of The Rings, Anwen and Penny covering The Rings of Power, the Amazon Prime Lord of the Rings show. Also, I'm not even going to get into all of the nonsense going on online about that show. It's great. The casting is great. 
cinematography is great. Just you could take a, a a line from Stranger Things. Try before you deny, please, because that show is actually incredible. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then their podcast has been so good as well. Huge Tolkien fans, but able to to take in a lot of this new and and fun you know, information, whether it's Tolkien canon or not, who cares? It's fun. It's great. <laughs> um, and then coming up soon within the next couple of weeks, of course, over on the star Wars TV podcast, Jonathan and James will start covering the new series Andor, which of course is following the, uh, the, the character of Cassian Andor from rogue one. So that'll be interesting. They just actually released an episode covering rogue one to kind of give a little bit of a background and, and, rehash and re re you know uh, kind of catch back up on who andor is and what's going on there so getting ready for the show i like that when podcasts do that like they give you that opportunity to catch up so you're ready to go yeah and then also cobra kai cast is out right now as well with uh, jason richard and rima covering cobra kai two episodes a week I love Cobra Kai so much, bringing back so many great nostalgic things and actors and characters, and it's so much fun. So also check that out. And of course, those are all the podcasts you can find on House Pod or on yeah uh, Podcastica. But then they're all right now also on House Podcastica. So if you're into all of those shows, you can also follow the House Podcastica feed and just get them all as episodes sent to you. But also go give some love to the individual podcasts as well. So people can find those who are fans of just those shows. Yes, definitely. And then the Walking Dead cast, also in Podcastica, has but it's its own feed, its own thing. That is the flagship show. Still working its way through Tales of the Walking Dead. And right now for these last few episodes of Tales of the Walking Dead, they've been doing something a little special. They did it last week and they'll do it again this weekend. So on Sunday night, if you're listening to this the first day or two that it comes out, then Sunday this weekend uh definitely make sure if you are watching tales of the walking dead then as soon as the episode is done airing in real time on tv pop over to podcastica on their youtube channel i think it's they're working on getting enough subscribers to get the slash podcastica on youtube but definitely go to facebook.com slash podcastica to get the youtube links and things like that or podcastica.com because they are doing a live quick reaction uh podcastica live show on youtube Yes. Talking about the episode. Yes. So it was so much fun really last cool. week. Yeah. Greg, Wendy, and Jason did it last week. And I think this week it's me, Alex, and Jason that are going to talk nice. about the most recent episode. I think it's the final episode. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Only six. So. Yeah. It'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's good. I'm I'm happy with six because I feel like with six episodes, it's easier to be caught up. Yeah, <laughs> even though I'm still not, to be honest, but I'm working on it. <laughs> of course, the workhorses over at TV Podcast Industries doing so much and being so incredible at all of it, covering Umbrella Academy, She-Hulk, the Sandman, and Rings of Power all over there. So definitely go get uh, Derek and John and other co-hosts that come in and out i'm not sure who's all on every show to be honest listen to some of them um but yeah go check out their coverage over there on all of those shows they've always got some great insight and great things to say and lastly i'm just gonna give a little shout out to our good friend ben over on wilhelm i've been taking a little bit of a break on wilhelm for now but he is about to be launching the wilhelm live web series that will go live on facebook and youtube in the near future so keep an eye out for that go check out wilhelm 
he's got some fun stuff there. He's also trying to do more and more stuff over on his Twitch. Mm-hmm. So keep an eye on what Ben's doing with Wilhelm for sure. Yes. But lastly, you know, I got to ask, we got to get a little tease. What's going on next week right here on Run For Your Lives? What's bringing the people back? Well, when we reach this point in the season, you guys already know what comes next. It's time to check in with our old pal, Burt Gummer, who's now a star in his own online series. Whatever will he get up to next? Find out next week when we cover Trevor's Five Bloodlines. Yeah, it's back on the Tremors train. I love my Tremors. I've seen them all so many times. It's my not even guilty pleasure. And it's so much fun to put Daphne through all of these new movies that she has never seen. (laughs) (laughs) I've had so much fun, though. I feel like, you know, just in Run For Your Lives in general, I've watched movies that I might not have ever seen. But also, I love this little look back to Tremors just because, one, I had never seen anything past the first one. And two, they're just so much fun to watch that it's Mm -hmm. not this deep psychological thinking process. It's just fun all around. So Bart Gummer versus Graboids in some form. That's what you're going to (laughs) get. You just never know what type of Graboid it's going to be. What stage of the evolutionary chain are we going to hit with this one? Mm -hmm. Well, you're going to have to watch it to find out. Yes. And with that, we have reached the end of our episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Daphne. And I'm Pake. And if you have to run, you better run for your lives. Bye-bye.